Alrighty, we're back. We're live on the Look Mum, I'm Hustling podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We're live on YouTube. You're probably watching, hopefully. And we're also on Spotify and Apple. And uh, we've actually just seen our Spotify wrapped data for the end of the year. Not too bad for a, a little humble two-person couple duo that no one really listens to. But I was surprised by some of the statistics. Yeah, I was going through and I was just like, oh, you know, people all over the world listen to us and just not just in Australia. And, all the other countries? Uh, obviously, US. And then there was uh, Philippines. Sweden, I think, was one of the countries as well. Um, but it's really interesting with the Spotify rap because obviously a lot of people kind of wait for it for the year just to see and kind of just to see what sort of percentage they're in, you know, if they're in the top 1% of, you know, Post Malone fans or whatever it is. Yeah, there was actually a, a Twitter, I don't know, hashtags are still really a, a thing, but in terms of the tre- one of the trending things, it mm-hmm. was uh, 0.05. So everyone was posting about what artists they were in the top 0.05 percentage of. Mm-hmm. I saw this video of someone um, photoshopping their top percentage so it looked like they were listening to something else rather than what do you mean um it was like this i think it must have been like some sort of uni but like this person was filming someone like in front of them and they were photoshopping their like top five and like changing the order around and everything yeah just to but that's like how people absolutely love it or like put an important importance to it right so like it's this is this is me this is what i listen to this is my this is my vibe um but yeah, just list, it's like pretty interesting from like the personal one versus like the podcast one, which is really cool because like personal one is like pop punk, lo-fi, whatever it is. And then my the, one? No, that's my one. Oh. Yeah. You just you listen to the same music that I am. We've got similar taste in music. That's, you know. Yeah. Or you're just copying me like most times. No, we've got my own taste in music. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. Um, yours top one was rap, not, not pop punk. That's true. I thought yeah. you'd be in the. I'm looking here on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I thought you'd be in the 0.05 percent of like neck deep or something. That, that was my top artist was neck deep for for last year. Next was like a whole bunch of because I just listen to like low fly playlists usually when I'm working or things like that. Then the next one was like the bottom three were three artists I've never heard of, but they must have uh, quite a few songs within the low fly playlist, so they come up as a repeat right. listener. I don't know how actually. Uh, correct those statistics are because I was looking at mine and I was, I guess, hesitant to share it just on Instagram. It's not not that anyone cares what I listen to, but I was just like, oh, I don't know if I want people to see what I listen to. I don't really like care necessarily. Mm-hmm. It was just one of the artists was weird. So like it all looked great, but then one of the things was weird. I'm like, I don't know if this is true. So it had a bunch of rap artists. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth artist was creator mix on spotify oh. so creator mix is uh, a free copyright free royalty free playlist of songs mm-hmm. technically or generally like instrumental songs that creators can use for live streams and in videos and things like that yeah uh where you you can use a song for free obviously and not get pinged for copyright infringement mm-hmm. that was my fourth most popular artist but I don't know how that's even possible because I only did a half, like maybe three or four live streams. Mm-hmm. Some of those eBay listing live streams that I did where I would play it for three hours straight. Yeah. But I only did that like three or four times. So technically three times, say, four is 12 hours. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's way more artists that I listen to for 12 hours. Yeah. Unless it's going on how long you listen to that artist like continuously on loop almost, it doesn't make sense because that's the only time of the year I listen to that free 
create a mix playlist. Right. Question. So is create a mix the artist and they make instrumental versions of like songs and stuff or is create a mix a playlist? Create a mix is technically an artist. Okay. So I've got it. But it's made by, I'll bring it, you can bring it up here if you want it. You know, Nick Nimmin is like a YouTube, like, I guess, coach. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of different albums and moods you can play. So I've got, I know why this is on your playlist. Because there's a bunch of albums from that one creator. Exactly. But but also. Wouldn't it it be time-based? No, because you listen to so much diverse music. Oh, so nothing gets spent long enough. Exactly. Yeah, Mm. so anything that you listen to for a long period of time because you're, and if not a lot of people know this, Drew is an infamous uh, song skipper. Um, I'm not. Although I will will skip songs (laughs) right up until we pull into the driveway. (laughs) I don't know if you do that to annoy me, but like sometimes like if we've got like 10, 15 minutes left on the drive home, he'll put on a playlist and then listen to like two seconds and then skip like every single song. But I think that's the thing, right? Because you listen to so much music and so much diverse music and so many different artists. Um, I think that came up because that was probably one continuous, like 12, if you listen to it for like 12 hours, right? That's probably more than, yeah, just because you listen to so much different music. I suppose. I mean, what's a song, general song is three minutes. So let's say, for example, yeah, I did, it wasn't even four live streams. It was say three times three, say 10 hours, right? Mm-hmm. So 10 hours times, what, 60 minutes an hour is technically 600 minutes. Mm-hmm. If I was to divide that into a song, I mean, I need to listen to 200 songs mm-hmm. by an artist to compete. I guess it makes sense. But yeah, I was hesitant to share it because I'm like, I look, I look like a weirdo sharing this. Because, no, you're, you're a creator, no you one, know. No one, no, I guess so. I created <laughs> sporadically. I mean, getting yeah. into that, we're talking about um, some artists and creators today. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, not that anyone knows what creator mix is, but it looks just weird. Yeah. Because there's so many amazing um, different artists on Spotify that either that are in that lo-fi or instrumental category. Mm-hmm. And why would I be listening to like a creator mix, which is probably like some sort of AI formatted thing anyway? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I look like a some sort of psychopath. No, I don't if think I was, so. If I was streaming all day long, mm-hmm. every day, it makes sense. Yeah. But perhaps I need a, a separate one, separate business, not businessy one, but Spotify account for that. Yeah. But if you are a creator, then yeah, head over to Creator Mix. Um, it's free background music for YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, podcasts, and more. No DMCA or copyright strikes ever. And you can have different playlists: there's EDM, lo-fi, trap, rock, house, uh, synth wave, whole bunch of different, whole stuff. bunch of stuff. But yeah. Um, Eight hours of royalty-free music they have available, and I was I probably played all played all eight. Yeah, maybe it's it just got flagged because I had played a hundred percent of the entire catalog. I think so. Like I think just because, like I said, you listen to so much diverse, different type of music that that's why okay. it showed up. But I don't think you should be worried about it's sharing. Not, it wasn't it if- that. It was more like. I want to seem a, a little bit cooler than that. Ah, so you wanted like the cred points. Yeah, not that anyone cares. They skip through. That's definitely a, a swipe. I looked at the statistics and the insights on mm-hmm. Instagram. It's definitely a, an immediate yeah. swipe through. Well, like I said, um, my top artist was Neck Deep. I can't remember who the second was, but the bottom three, because it's top five, right? So, the, But the bottom three were like just three like lo-fi artists from a playlist that I listened to. So you don't so. even know the artist? No. It's just been on a, yes, a it's been on loop. compilation. Yeah. So, I think mine was Lil Durk. Mm-hmm. Drake, yeah. Jack Harlow, mm-hmm. Create a Mix, and then Newfound Glory. Yeah. 
weed mix. Yeah, it's a weed mix. But like I said, you're so diverse with music. You're just a music fan in general. So for you, from what I've noticed, it just like it needs to have like a good beat. Like you need to have like the rhythm. If it doesn't have a good rhythm, like you skip the song. Like you. Mm, in saying that, um, but you have your old favorites. Like, just say if a Cure song comes on, you're gonna listen to that. Well, there's one playlist I've been listening to lately, kind of into this shoegaze vibe lately. Mm. But a lot of the songs are I forget what the playlist is called. Let's see if I can find it. Some of the artists are uh, like Japanese. Half the songs are not even in English. English? Yeah, yeah, because shoegaze is he's popular over in Japan, right? Uh, I'm not too sure. Because, like, they have a big, or used to have a big, like, post, uh, post-emo, post, what was it called? Post-hardcore, post-emo. I don't know. I'll I see what like the playlist a- is called, but it's, mm. yeah, there's, it's sort of like soft grunge, shoegaze. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the songs are in, like, Spanish or Japanese, whatever. And at one point, you're just like, what are we listening to? And I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily, those songs don't necessarily have a beat or anything. You're saying like you like songs with beats and stuff, and I it's do. It's a vibe. It's it's just the the mood. I'm very mood driven with oh, music, 100%. and most people are. Mm. But um, yeah, I guess I listen to a lot of stuff. Yeah, like if I was to go from a history of song stuff, it's 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 random. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. I'm just into instrumental stuff. Yeah, kind of but- lately, and it's good when I'm doing. There's a period during the – I've gone through many phases of music this year, actually, because when I'm doing my eBay work, it's very mm-hmm. repetitive, just taking photos for three, four, five hours straight. Mm-hmm. And listening to a podcast is fine, but it doesn't – I need that uh, momentum. Yes. Conversation doesn't really have a follow-up momentum, whereas mm-hmm. music does, especially if it's in a particular playlist of a style of music. Yeah. Um, you can get into a bit of a flow, and I was listening to – I would literally search – high BPM or fast BPM, mm-hmm. which is just like fast yeah. stuff, and be listening to basically dance music, which I never really listened to before, just purely. So my movements could like kind of fall into line, into motion with the music. Like and a workout. Yeah, I guess. When yeah. you, people do like the like a Peloton workout, they mm-hmm. want to have a music to, to like, match exactly. the, the pace. Yeah. And then as soon as one slow song will come on, immediate skip because yep. it slows the momentum down. Mm-hmm. And now I've gone the other way where I'm listening to shoegaze, which is basically like you're floating in a cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's why my rate of work has slowed down a little bit. Maybe, yeah, not enough EDM and too much uh, shoegazy. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it can, it can depend on many things. But that's kind of an interesting topic that ties into – Something we could talk about this week is the uh, the new Andre 3000 album. Yeah. You haven't listened to it yet. No, I haven't. But you mentioned this the other day and I was just like, do you, like, do you, know, do you remember who Andre 3000 is? And I was like, is that the nerd or outcast guy? That's Pharrell. Yeah. So this is Andre 3000 from Outcast. He just released a, a flute album. Breaks, breaks the bill, billboard record with flute song. Because like my, I, I get it. No, I d- I kind of get it, right? Like, he's he's an artist and artists can do whatever they want. But, like, he's known for hip-hop and, like, pop and stuff. So, it's kind of bizarre just to release a flute album. I think he, they have um, the most, the highest, highest selling rap albums of all time. I believe oh, really? It, I believe it is Outkast. 
Is it like it's Marshall? Maybe not. It's definitely up there. It, it's the... When you think of rap, you think of Snoop Dogg and Eminem and Dr. Dre and uh, mm. 50 Cent. The Outkast is, was one of these groups that has so many bangers. Yeah. And are often forgotten about, but they haven't released an album for, I think, I think since 2006. I think it's something to do with royalties because a lot of their songs get used in like ads and stuff and like the, the beats and everything maybe. So, I mean, this album depends where you're looking at the data from. All these different charts and billboards, they're, they're looking at different metrics and things mm-hmm. like that. But this is from October this year. Okay. Last week, Outkast celebrated two big anniversaries, 25 years since their masterpiece, Aquem- Aqu- I can never pronounce that, Aquemini, Aquemini. Mm-hmm. And 20 years since Speakerbox Love Below, which had Hey Ya, you know Hey Ya. Yeah, Hey Ya. Yeah, it's a pretty good hey rendition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, over 13 million albums sold. Outlast is everlasting. Mm-hmm. Um, 13 times platinum. Wow. With Eminem show and a couple of Eminem albums at ah, 10 and 11. So technically okay. uh, the best selling. Mm-hmm. And they haven't released an album, I think, for almost 20 years. Yes. So it's him and Big Boy, mm-hmm. and Big Boy still makes music, I believe. Yeah. But uh, Andre 3000 has come out with a, a flute album. It's Interesting. kind of been off doing his own thing and has a flute album. I put it on not knowing it's a flute album. Yeah. You're like, oh, man, new song, for, new thing from Andre. <laughs> and some songs are, I think, like six or ten minutes long. Yeah. Can we play a sample at all? Is that possible? Uh, we probably can get yeah. flagged up. The album's called New Blue... New Blue Sun, mm-hmm. um, and there's some songs that are, how long is this one? 12 minutes long. Okay. But the, the fun thing is a lot of the song titles are kind of like- Like still hip hoppy or? N- uh, not really. They're like really long sentences, kind of like Panic at the Disco style. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So like this first song is called, uh, I swear I really wanted to make a rap album. <laughs> So but like, this is the way the, blin, the wind blew me this time or something like yeah. that. Yeah, because there was something that, that I really like about like hip-hop and rap and stuff. There's always like, not a comedy, but a lot of them are like comedy fans, right? So titles would be a bit funny, a bit ironic and stuff like that. So it seems to just like translated. Imagine like having, you go to a, a CD store or whatever, or you go to, I don't know, Apple or Spotify and stuff. You like look up like classical music or instrumental music and you have like... Um, you know, a whole bunch of different like instrumental artists. You have his one there. It is like, I want to make a rap album. That's the name of the flute song that comes up in your playlist. <laughs> yeah, I swear I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. Mm-hmm. Um, the second <laughs> song, the slang, the slang word pussy rolls off the tongue with far better ease than the proper word vagina. Do you agree? <laughs> like just like, basically it's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm literally yeah. doing whatever I want, naming mm-hmm. it whatever I want. And a lot of the... The album is basically him learning to play the flute. It's not like gotcha. he's a, a flute expert or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but there's a lot of – it's not your typical just uh, flute that you would imagine. They're all yeah. sort of indigenous or uh, what would you say – what would you call, not ethnic, but uh, just random flutes from around the world that you wouldn't expect mm-hmm. to see in a, a general music store. Yeah. Uh, but I put the album on. I'm like, what the hell is this? I got like six minutes in. I'm like, is there going to be lyrics? Mm-hmm. And then I'm, after a quick search, I'm like, oh. It's completely flu. It's completely not what you would expect. Yeah. Especially if you haven't seen any news articles or anything about That'd it. That'd actually be kind of hilarious. You're like listening to a hip hop playlist and Andre 3000 comes in with like, you know, a five minute flute <laughs> solo. Yeah, 12 minutes, 13 <laughs> minutes. Um, we can play a little bit. 
Let's see. Just like, just a tiny, tiny bit, just like to see what it sounds like. This is not it. That's not no, the flute. That's, uh, that's a Google ad, everybody. Yeah. Good old Google. Let that play soon. But it's interesting to see everyone's re- uh, yeah. reactions to it. Some people are just like, give me rap. And then mm-hmm. some people are like, oh, this is uh, different. Like I'm kind of, it's one of those things where it's been so long between drinks for his mm-hmm. releases, your, your demographic, the people that love you and grew up on you, that have mm-hmm. they moved with the times? Are they willing to embrace it or do they yeah. just want to, that nostalgic thing that you once provided? Well, the internet can go in two ways, right? They either shower love or they like, you know, degrade with hate or whatever it is. But from like the top kind of comments, it's be like, oh, it's so peaceful. Thank you so much kind of thing. People just want to and maybe encourage. If you encourage him, he might release another rap album. Who knows? I don't think he's going to no. buy the interviews. Bruce is skipping along. Skip along to the most replayed parts. Yeah. Oh, super international. Yeah. So it's just that. Yeah. So it's not, I don't think what anyone expected. No. Um, And he actually did an interview with GQ. Mm -hmm. It kind of just talks about the creative process. um, What it's like being a celebrity and the... Problem with the, the age of celebrity and things yeah. like that. Oh, so it's like it's like a massive flute. Was, for some reason, I thought it was like one of the little. Like, no, they're like they're all different flutes. Oh. Just around the world. Yeah. Collecting and buying them. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Oh, thank you. I'm just kind of feeling what's happening at the time, so I'm just kind of making it up as it, as it goes. Like even the the new album was completely uh, improv and made up. Right. Just a discovery path every time. So you never know what patterns you will play. You never know what melodies you're going to play. You're on the tightrope at that point. So it's like, you got to do something. So it's essentially like no room for perfectionism or multiple takes to get the perfect part. Like it it kind of, we haven't read that Rick Rubin book. We've been meaning to. I've read it. Have you? Yeah. We we did a whole episode on it. Did we? Yeah. Must have been asleep that episode. Yeah. But I sort of, I get. I kind of get him doing that as well. So, like, just say if you're known, you know, when people put you in buckets and stuff like that, just say he's purely known for, like, hip-hop or producing or things like that and that's the only genre you're in. Like, you'd get, like, like stifled in a way. So, like, doing something like this, which is completely outside comfort zone, which is purely, purely, like, an expression of creativity, an expression of art form, it must be, like, so freeing in a way. Yeah. And... It's probably a lot easier to do it when you're. I mean, it's it's a two sides of the coin. Sorry if you can hear the washing machine going. <laughs> it's a terrible time to put that on. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's some ambient music in the background. Is he only able to do it because he's had success in the past and is financially able to? He's he's kind of set for life. He can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that is so distracting. Do you want to quickly round no, it? Like, it's fine. It is it? what it is. Yeah. Um. Sorry. It's like set for life. Yeah. So why is it?
like what, he's what secure him, financially. What, what allows yeah. him to be able to go completely left field and do it? Because if he was still a starving artist, mm-hmm. you'd, you would hope that most people would just do what they want, but mm-hmm. there's a certain part that wants to meet the expectations and do what culture and what people are into, mm-hmm. which is not the best way of making stuff. We've talked about making YouTube videos and stuff before and doing stuff for yourself as opposed to doing what your arty- audience wants or, like you said, trying to conform to that box. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot easier for him to do it because he's had such global success. Yeah. But it also comes the probably a lot of trepidation and fear potentially with it mm-hmm. um, because you don't want to, I guess, tarnish everything you've done before that. Not that it really would, but there would be potentially a a, a subtle level of, of doubt and hesitation to do it because mm-hmm. I know he in that interview we talked about um, not that these decisions were based on fear or anything, but he has done flute work on a bunch of other albums and songs that people probably have known about, mm-hmm. but he's refused and actually uh, asked the the main Credit. artist not to um, credit him for credit it. Credit him for it, yeah. yeah. So everyone's like on this wild goose hunt yeah. to find which songs he's playing flute right. on, right? Yeah, but he's really just doing what he loves. But it's like, what does it re- what does it take to get to that point and like be a free artist? Because mm-hmm. you can't. I feel like it's very hard in this day and age with everything trending and stats and numbers and social media to just come out the box and do that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, like it's it's always the the two sides of the coin. Like I think. And I have, look, I'm like, I'm, I have no idea. I don't know what he's been up to. You haven't played to. flute before? No, I haven't played flute before. Did you play like, any, any instruments in high school? Uh, bass guitar. And oh, everyone played the recorder in like primary school. That's pretty close. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know too much about, like, I don't know anything about him, but just looking at it from like a creative point of view, it just seems like needed some sort of outlet that's completely different. It's like... In, in the Rick Rubin book, for example, it's about doing something that's completely different, even in the artist's way, right? Like you go out and do something that you're not usually, like you haven't done before, like making new experiences, doing new things, and that's going to help fuel your creativity. So this could just be an avenue to like make him feel even more creative or help his creative process, which is doing something completely different. Like you're saying, he's doing, he just goes with the flow. It's all experimental, like experimental jazz and stuff like that. Just doing whatever feels natural trusting your gut which is a big thing in being creative as well so it just I think he just like did it because he needed to like he had some sort of like driving force like I need to do something with this I need to put it out there into the world doesn't I and I think he's just probably one of those people like I don't care what people say about it this is what I want to do take it or leave it yeah, but that's, my, that's what I'm trying to say like that's the ambition that or what most people should be striving for but in this day and age where everything's based on clicks and likes and everything, it's mm-hmm. hard to get there. We know it's the the smartest, most logical, most sane way of creating, mm-hmm. but it is there is still the trap of uh, supporting yourself financially success with success and mm-hmm. support and being embraced. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's just doing it because he truly loves it. Yeah, well, I was even saying in that interview. If because he's the interview's in a laundromat, he just like goes down to his lo- local laundromat. He's probably got millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars in the bank. Yeah, but royalties. he's like busking in a laundromat. 
Well, he's doing his laundry there, and then yeah. we'll just whilst watching, just go and play flute in the street. But if someone's like sees him and asks him to, um, like spit a verse or do a rap, mm-hmm. like he basically doesn't want to do it, but he'll just sit there and just play flute for them all day long. Yeah, there's videos of him just like in Japan, just doing Playing flute. flute. Yeah. He's just he's just doing what he wants. This is another clip here. He talks about, um, I guess being a celebrity and uh, and being famous and. Mm-hmm. What that can look like. Dope overalls, by the way. He's starting. A, it's a clothing line. He's starting. Oh, so he's basically just starting a clothing line, where it's basically more or less like baby clothes for adults, mm-hmm. and just super practical and comfort. Yeah, it's got like all these different pouches and pockets for all these different things. Mm-hmm. And the brand name is basically the same as one of his songs. It's about. 15 words long for his <laughs> brand. It's something about worker ants or something. Yep. Um, Gonna play one of these? Uh, I'm trying to find one. And famous is just, just, people don't want to say it. Like, it is a great blessing. Like, I'm, I'm actually blessed to be able to create in front of people and get ideas off. That's the biggest blessing out of being famous. But being famous really sucks, man. Like, it's so unhuman like it's actually unnatural and actually detrimental to a a human to have that much admiration it actually changes the way you think Mm -hmm. it changes the way you move you know like i think because i'm older now like i really see it as i'm just being used for something so i'm always watching well how am i how am i being used like you know what's happening like what's what's going on right now you know and famous so he's he's spent so much time away from everything Mm -hmm. now he it's like he's gone into the mountains and, and meditated for a decade or two yeah, and really yeah. sees things for how they are. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's very grateful for everything that's happened. Yeah. But now he can see on the other side because when they were coming up, probably all they wanted to do is like get famous, do huge shows, have crazy albums, um, meet insane people, get mm-hmm. rich. And he, it's the thing where he's done it all. Yeah. Now what do you do? Mm-hmm. You can just keep making album after album after rap album. But over time, you're going to start not slipping, but the quality is going to potentially start dropping Mm -hmm. as new artists come out and compete with you and things like that. So it's almost better to just step away, Mm -hmm. hibernate, and then find a new passion and a new direction and take your life. Yeah. Well, that's like that can be the artist trap, right, is like, the, the line where you're doing it for them versus doing it for you because as soon as you start going down that path of everything's for them, pleasing others, you know, trying to, you know, whatever's like get into the algorithm or all that kind of stuff, like doing it for all the, not the wrong reasons, but you just happen to be like sidetracked by like just trying to like, yeah, like please everybody. You, then you lose what really matters to you and what you really want. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's... And we have the this, not debate, but we have this conversation on a regular basis because I think it's just so important, right? Because with the world that we live in, with all the distractions, all the bright lights, everything that's told you to be, you know, if you're famous, you're successful. If you have a lot of money, you're successful. If you have, you know, 10,000 followers or whatever, like you're getting to be successful, but they don't really talk about like true happiness and like what makes you happy, what's really good for you as well. So whether it's just health in mind, body and soul or health within your own creative process, like that kind of usually gets put on the back burner because it's more about, you know, the the image that society wants you to project rather than what it is that you really are. Yeah. I think that conversation is changing and will change over over time. It's just the 
it's not even Hollywood. It's just um, the obsession we have with celebrity and not necessarily drama, but just like, yeah, just the obsession we have with celebrities and and artists. Yeah. Well, it's just the distraction from your own lives, right? Like, because everybody's not ever not everybody's average, but you just most like ninety percent of the population is normal, right? They go to their jobs, they do yeah, their 90, thing. Way more than ninety. Ninety nine point nine percent of people are normal or whatever's considered normal. So they, you know, do their jobs, make their dinner, you know, get their kids ready or whatever it is, like go to school, that kind of stuff. Everyone does that normal, like mundane thing. So when something, when someone's doing something different, when someone's doing something interesting, something that's like not in their everyday lives, they get obsessed or they want to get distracted. They want to find something else other than what they're usually doing during that Monday to Sunday kind of thing. So that's why maybe people get obsessed with celebrities or get obsessed with, you know, artists and that kind of thing, just because it's not them. And it's almost like the celebrity then becomes obsessed with obtaining more of those, like more of a a following. Mm -hmm. So it's like a a push and a pull from both sides of the fence. Yeah. It's like the, the line of like wanting validation versus pleasing others versus, I don't know, being true to yourself. It's just interesting. I I mean, I've talked about it for a bunch of times we make videos here and there, we do this podcast and at a certain point you have one thing that does moderately successful in comparison to the other things and then you start going down this spiral or rabbit hole of should I make more of that thing that was successful or should I just do what I really want? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a trap. Yeah. It's a trap and essentially the trap is leading you down to either more notoriety or really just more money mm-hmm. um, and it, it's always a trap and that's what's interesting now is we can start seeing the the outcome of what those paths look like 20 years on now that we have social media we can see artists that come up in the 90s or 2000s mm-hmm. and the path they took you can see what the outcome is whereas in the 50s, 60s, 70s, there was no avenue for them to express themselves and then, I guess, describe or explain what the outcome was based on the path they went, if that kind of makes sense. Like mm. this kind of interview wouldn't have been out 20 years ago. It wouldn't no. have been a two-minute interview on 60 Minutes or whatever whatever news program is on, mm-hmm. but now you can see an hour-long interview learning about the lessons. Mm-hmm. And the more that we know, then get passed down generation or generation or generation. Mm-hmm. So in fifty years, hundred years, like the whole way people create and why they create things might shift entirely. So it is purely from the heart, based on true passion, as opposed to having numbers and stats and notoriety weaved into it. So there might be just way more creativity in the future. Yeah, that's such a that's such a valid point, right? Because all those lessons are so easily accessible now when 10, 20, 30 years ago, whatever, you'd have to like, get a magazine, read the newspaper, I don't know, and it have to be within your country, right? Like you wouldn't be able to get, it would be very hard to get international ones, but now you can just go onto YouTube, go onto TikTok, Instagram, whatever, and get all this great inspiration, learnings from these people who have done it before and, you, you know, whether yourself get inspired or you learn and stuff from it, it's just so more accessible now. And- I think the people that last the longest are the ones that are unafraid to pivot and change and do what they want. Mm. There's so many, the amount of 
YouTubers that were big five years ago, mm-hmm. there's so many that either stop what they're doing or finally pull their head up from their computer or their camera and realize I've put myself in a box. And we talked about this multiple times and then stop or do a hard, hard pivot mm-hmm. as opposed to just weaving the things you're interested in throughout the course of your career and journey so you never have to pivot and people are there for you rather than the product you're putting out. And I probably the best example of this with the longest um, body of work would be the Beatles. They were changing frequently their their types of music, their influences, the you know Indi- Indian sitar and all sorts of mm-hmm. even just their fashion sense and their design. They were still making great songs, but there's some songs that are so different. I'm like so whack, yeah. Like they just weren't afraid to experiment Mm -hmm. and just not repeat, repeat, repeat the same formula with minor, minor variations. Yeah. Um, And even this week, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Gideon. He's Um, why does that name sound so familiar? Massive, massive YouTuber, kind of Mm -hmm. like a, a prank YouTuber. He just deleted all his videos. Uh, on his channel, I'll pull up this article here. Oh. Kind of in the same vein. It, the, basically, the whole conversation here is about it's almost like sticking to a niche because, like, Andre 3000 was a rapper. Like, his niche yeah. is rap songs. Mm-hmm. And how long can you stick to that before you you change interest? People change interests over time. They're mm-hmm. multifaceted. Yeah. So it's like, do you incorporate that to begin with mm-hmm. or do you wait to get to that burnout point yeah. and have to hide for a couple of years in order to, like, let the news and the interest in you subside and then you reinvent yourself? It's, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the conversation about reinvention. Uh, Gideon deletes all of his prank content. I haven't really ever watched any of his videos, to be honest. I just no. know he's a gigantic name. Mm-hmm. Um, his quote is, I failed this generation horribly. So Gideon is one of the... Most famous streamers and content creators on the internet. He Is gained he a British. I uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He gained a massive following for many of his prank videos, which got him banned from all NBA events. Uh, earlier this year, he decided to make a change and declared to his audience, "I'm turning my life to Christ." Um, he deleted nearly all of his content and has uploaded a video saying, "Why well, deleted all my content?" Mm-hmm. So he's basically uh, a reborn Christian right, and is more or less ashamed about the content he was making gotcha. and now is reinventing himself, reinventing mm-hmm. his brand, re- yeah. his, his, his entire image. So how many people that followed him for his pranking stuff mm-hmm. are going to be interested in- His next step in life or his next stage. So that's yeah. a, just like, basically this month I'm doing this thing, mm-hmm. now I'm deleting all of it. Yeah. And I'm starting fresh. That's mm-hmm. a way harder transition for his followers yes. to stomach as opposed to Andre 3000, which has let mm-hmm. two decades pass and let his main followers change and evolve and have families and move in different ways of their life. So it's kind of more accepting the longer the gap is. Mm-hmm. So it's like what's more a more painful outcome. Yeah. Well, it's an no- interesting conversation. Well, another example is um, this week Emma Chamberlain did an unfiltered uh, interview with both Colin and Samia. And for those that know Colin and Samia, they do a lot of um, creative um, interviews and things like that, just really try to deep dive into it. And Emma Chamberlain is one of those people that have 
not reinvented herself, but has really trying to, she's talked a lot about openly, but like suffered from burnout and things like that. She was known as a vlogger. She, I think vlogged like. I think every week for five years. Yeah. So every week for five years, which is a very, very long time. And it's one of those ones where she talks about like towards the, she went through like, obviously they all go through different redurations. Like she goes through a phase of like reviewing food and lifestyle and all that kind of thing. But like, as she started to get more, I guess, comfortable, um, realizing that she didn't need to rely on YouTube, um, it kind of just, she stopped making content. She used to edit all the videos herself and she talks about that's like what she loves to do is putting that kind of stuff together. She ended up getting an editor, but then sort of brought it back home again because she missed it. Um, but then she started, stopped creating content because one, she was like burnt out, but two, she was bored of what she was doing. She was bored of like the niche and the bucket that she got put in. So she needed a break, which is what she essentially did. Yeah. She's an interesting case because I don't feel like she is – she's not in a niche. What what would you call it? Like it is lifestyle, mm-hmm. but that's kind of broad. It's not – it's – it's. I mean, like you can't just – lifestyle is – there's 40 things that go into someone's lifestyle. Yeah. So she re- – I think rather than getting – felt like she was trapped in a box, I think she was felt like more trapped in a box, but the box was more the platform as opposed to the topics and the niche she was talking about. Yeah. Like she's, and they put it, like Colin Sby put it really well, like Emma Chamberlain, like when you say that name, you sort of, because she's so unfiltered in her approach, like she's very open what she does. She's like, I think I've talked about why she like farts and, you know, burps or whatever. Like she's, and one of the things she said, so like, if I put everything out there, if I be honest, then you can, you can't take go at me because everything's out there. I've already told you every little secret that I have. It's like, if you make fun of yourself, then you're already aware of what the problem is and what your faults are. And if you're aware of it and made fun of it, then- Mm -hmm really, if anyone else says anything, it literally can't impact you. Yeah. So because of that, she's super accessible. Like people just know her and approach her and all that kind of stuff. But I think that's kind of what sort of, like you were saying, she like got stuck in the YouTube. Like she was known as like a YouTuber and kind of wanted to branch out to that. Now um, you kind of get her everywhere and she was slowly building up to that point she has her own coffee brand which she absolutely loves and you know is very very invested in it she does um a lot of interviews with vogue she does the met gala red carpet like for someone who's originally started off as a youtuber she's all in these different aspects of fashion and food and and but they're they're all so they're all extensions so let's just say like she was doing her vlogs Mm mm-hmm but as, as I was saying, there's no niche. It's it's that concept. I sent you a video the other day. Of, it's a the niche of one. It's, it's just you're the niche as exactly. opposed to I talk about marketing or I talk about mm-hmm. cars or I talk about basketball. Her niche is her. Yeah. And everything she's done now is all an extension of, her. of one element that was used to be featured within the vlog. So she used yes. to make coffee. She used mm-hmm. to make food. She used to do fashion hauls. And now she's found ways to branch it's it's the hub and spoke model she's like found ways to extend Mm -hmm. out of her main interests yeah but now there's just not a main vlog that encapsulates all of it everything is more specific now Mm -hmm. and now her podcast is more of the raw conversational stuff that was in the vlog exactly without the need to edit essentially yeah a hundred percent and i think that's why it works so well is you would be able to get so much of her from YouTube, but you still can get so much of her. She's just not on YouTube anymore. She's just, yeah, yeah, doing all these different things, which is, you know, it's just very, very interesting. Like whether you love her or hate her, like she just puts everything out there, which is amazing. Um, But it's the whole 
and we've had this conversation before because you had, and we've talked about YouTube gurus and things like that, where they've said that you, you know, you need to be in a niche. You need to be a prankster. You need to be, you know, a tech person. You need to be all that kind of stuff. But she's one of those people. And I think Casey Neistat's the same, right? He's a vlogger, but he vlogs about so many different things that the niche is you and people come for you and what you're about. I think it can be both. There's plenty of people that are, I mean, talk about the word success, successful doing a niche. Mm-hmm. But but you burn out. You can, but you mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to. This is where the distinguishing, just knowing yourself and having self-understanding mm-hmm. comes into play because – no one piece of advice is a is a is a you know a fit all approach. Like no, yeah. not everyone can take that advice. Fickle. A lot of people that are saying do the niche, do the niche. Their niche is to tell you to do the niche. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, I think the l- most long term sustainable avenue to take is not to box yourself in. Because I know for myself, I hate putting labels on. Mm-hmm who I am and what I do because we change so frequently. I would say every five years I feel like I'm not a new person but I have this whole new world of things I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. You've evolved. Yeah, it's having having a niche. It can work. There's plenty of people that have had photography channels for decades, Mm -hmm. not decades but, you know, five, ten years. But it's, yeah, it's it's people – People ch- people change, and therefore mm-hmm. their interests change, their content changes. But it's hard to see that far ahead when you're in the moment of just I need to create something this week. You you, you can't. It's hard to look five years down the track because you're worried about just getting the thing out this time this week. Mm-hmm. And like this podcast, this chat, for example, not even a hundred episodes in, and we've changed from. Uh, having a couple of interviews to having like a news format where we're just like trying to tick off news articles and like read off articles. And now we're just kind of having more the conversational style, but then we might go back to interviews. It's, Mm -hmm. I think it's really having the courage to just say, fuck it, accept it or don't, whatever I'm doing, what I, what, what truly makes me interested and happy. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't do that, then I'm just pandering and, catering to an audience who is fickle and their interest is changing anyway. It's not yes. like you make stuff in a niche, in a vacuum, and your followers are always interested because they're going to change as well. It's mm. like uh, what's the, the saying? Two two ships passing in the night. It's like your ship's veering left and theirs is – it's like everything's weaving. There's plenty of creators that I loved that I don't watch anymore. Oh, 100%. Because – Either I'm not interested in what they do because they haven't changed mm-hmm. or I'm not interested in the new things they do. Like it's – so if that's going to be the outcome most of the time, everyone's crisscrossing with their interests, mm-hmm. then it makes sense to just do what you want now. Yes. Yeah. It's an interesting thing and it's hard to grapple with and literally every week I'm like, fuck, mm-hmm. what? Like we, what are we doing? Like are we doing the right – but it's really just like throwing it all in the air and saying – I don't give a fuck. That's yeah. probably the most liberating thing you can possibly do as a creator. I think so. Like, cause like for your personal YouTube, right? That's the channel that we used to have together and everything. And you've done quite a few um, tutorials and stuff on podcasting. And that's kind of like the bucket is really hit and you've 
you know, you've kind of um, not struggled, but you've tried to figure out if that's the path I should go down or should I just do my own thing? And then on my personal one, it's still kind of putting like half effort into it at the moment. But I had one recent video that hit within, let's say my best performing one is about decluttering. And I just have to remind myself like, no, I don't have to do just stuff about cleaning and organizing and decluttering and stuff. I can do, I just got to do stuff that I'm interested in and that I want and not yet, not let that, you know, one successful thing pivot my whole entire strategy or my Mm. whole entire personality. I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known for being me. Yeah. It's just, it's having the courage to experiment and it, this is more in the light of personal brand. If you're running a business, mm-hmm. you are a niche. You're, if you're making mattresses, you can't talk about salads. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you can, but like it really, this is more of a conversation about personal brand. Yeah. Andre 3000 is himself is a brand. Mm-hmm. Gideon is a brand. Emma Chamberlain is a personal brand. So it is, it is in this new, uh, I guess, 21st century world where everyone is a personal brand. Even mm-hmm. when I was talking about being hesitant to share my Spotify rap thing, it's mm. a piece of content, no matter how insignificant the post is, mm-hmm. that portrays or shares a bit more about me and is just an additional thing that's in the universe, even though it is for 24 hours, mm-hmm. that is uh, representing my personal brand. If you're running a photography company or, as I said, you're running a, a mattress company or whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. then you're it's a niche. But most of the time, that's not with your uh, actual name associated with it. Yeah. It's a business. So this is just a clear distinction that this is, entire conversation is about personal branding because mm-hmm. there's not many – I mean, if you're doing any creative endeavor, it's not behind the guise of a brand. It's no. a personal brand. Um, yeah, you can start brands from a personal brand like Emma Chamberlain with her Chamberlain coffee. Yes. You can do things like that, but it's still attached to you and what you mess with and what you're about. Yeah. It, it was also, I, was going, I took a photo of this, might be an interesting conversation to Ooh. listen to Rick Rubin and Andre 3000. So obviously, it's uh, from three years ago. Yeah. But he, like, he hasn't done like that music and stuff. So it'd be really interesting to see what that conversation's it's just, it's about. Just hearing pe- people at their. I guess the pinnacle mm-hmm. of creativity that I've just done incredible, incredible things, hearing them talk about what they're doing because there's very little point. I mean, there is a point, but there's much less of a point listening to someone that's a year into their creative journey and hearing their advice as opposed to someone that's done it for 30 years to work yeah. with dozens of artists you know, spent decades refining their process and thinking about what it means to them mm-hmm. as opposed to someone that's made five songs and is two years out of high school. Yeah, the same so as like, you know. Just, <laughs> it's wisdom. It's creative wisdom. The same as like listening to someone like me who's made like five videos opposed to like Emma Chamberlain who's done hundreds. Yeah, so it's just you got to learn your own lessons, but if you can minimise how much – your your own little problems and stuff set you back by hearing how other people have approached it, mm-hmm. then it's it's just beneficial. That's the same thing as I was saying before. It's like, yeah, just learning from people that have done it before you mm-hmm. and not trying to think that you know a better way or you, you have a better path. It's like 
if you took a hundred artists, whether Rolling Stones, Beatles, people that have been doing for decades, the common theme is you, I would take the average of all of their answers mm-hmm. and then use that as your guiding light, your North Star, as opposed to a uh, hundred YouTubers that have been creating for two years. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's a, it's a fascinating topic to me because it's. I wish you could just turn a switch, click a switch, and just kind of have it all figured out. But that takes away from all the personal growth as well. You need to mm-hmm. learn those mistakes. But I guess this entire conversation is about just being able to say, "Fuck it, I'm doing what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm creating for me. Love it or hate it." I'm going to be here doing it. I mean, jump on board the bandwagon if the, if there is one, mm-hmm. uh, or find someone else that you're interested in. Yeah, and you can. I mean, it's the whole take it or leave it attitude. Take it or leave it, and mm-hmm. you can't blame people or, I guess, resent people or a following if certain things are doing better than others or whatever. It's just like it is what it is. People, it's it's the whole concept of. The market will decide. If the market loves it, awesome. Mm-hmm. If the market doesn't, just keep doing your thing. Mm-hmm. But the thing is not getting trapped if they do love it, not falling into the trap of just doing more and more and more and more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to say fuck it and being able to experiment mm-hmm. and just not rinse and repeat the one thing that worked. That's, I guess, the main message. And it's the same for like pretty much everyone we've talked about. from people that are have done it before but also done it for multiple multiple years and also trusting your instincts at the same time like it's it's one like knowing who you are as a person trusting your gut and just running yes, with it that's one thing uh emma chamberlain touched on frequently and, and it's kind of crazy to like put say all this stuff about listen to people that have been doing it for decades she's been She's like what twenty four or something. Yeah, she's younger. pretty young, but she's been doing it since she was like sixteen. But 17. it's also yeah, the time in the trenches. Mm-hmm. She might be young, but she's also spent time in the trenches mm-hmm. at a higher level. Yes. So it's kind of like she might be have been doing it for eight years or whatever, but it's almost like she's been doing it for twenty, just because she's been so prolific during that time. She's put that, in the reps. That matters as well. Yeah. Uh, but a, a, a common thread in that conversation with Colin Samir is just following intuition. Yeah. Deep down, you know you know the truth. Mm-hmm. It's these little outside voices yeah. that start veering you off course. That's what fucks you up. 100%. Because you talked about um, that she's released videos before and her gut instinct was no. So now every time and it ended up performing badly or she got hate or whatever it was for it. So now she's like, I've made videos and I haven't released them because my gut was just like, this is not good. This is not you. This is not what you're about. It's not even that it's not good. It's yeah, it's. Doesn't stay true to her values yeah, or like who not, she is as a person. I don't person. think she's worried about will it do well. Yeah. It's, is it. Is it authentic? Is it true mm-hmm. to me? Am I being truth- truthful to myself? Because I'm not truthful to myself. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be able to read that immediately. People, I mean, we've, been, we've evolved for tens of hundreds of thousands of years in tribes to read facial expressions, to hear mm. inflections in words, 
we're designed to pick apart bullshit and to spot dishonesty. Dishonesty. In a way. Yeah. Um, and people can read that in a second. I'll switch off. In saying that, we talked about uh, twin flames the other week, and mm-hmm. some there are a handful of us that are. Yeah, but they're like they were vulnerable <laughs> and things like that. So you got people that prey on the vulnerable, but then you've also got people that um, that you can tell. You know, they have the term of like giving you the ick, like just something's not right. They're not being honest. You can tell just something's just like, it's just not vibing or clicking with you. You can just tell that this person I don't want to mess with. I don't like them. I don't want to have a bar of it. You can just tell when they're being pretend in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that I think that was a really interesting conversation and I don't think it's something that we want to create this podcast for a long time. We want to do our own creative endeavors. We want to. Mm-hmm. Write things, make things, maybe not a flute album, but videos and things like that. (laughs) And I think it's, I would love to, like I said, be able to flick a switch and have shift the entire mindset and never have any fear or doubt or anything ever in the future. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's going to be a a lingering thing for quite some time. And it really comes down to, uh, how would you put it? Just having guts it's more just being able to look deep within as corny and and cringy and shit as that sounds it's being able to like trust yourself and look within and ask yourself is this what i want yeah yeah it's like it's it's really figuring out be like is this me is this what i want to do am i going to be proud when i look back on this like five years time like is this who i am it's okay to like try things to see if it is you yeah but you got to know when it's like like the Emma Chamberlain thing. Know that video. Ah, it's fucking. Why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Like that's not me. I I thought I I might there might be a part of me that is that or wants to do that, mm-hmm. but it's not. So it's been able to know when that is mm-hmm. and stopping it as fast as possible, so you're not running down that path. Yeah. Anyway, wrap it up there, guys. Let us know what you're creating this week. We'll be back next week for another episode. Thank you. See you then.